Lagos Talks 91.3 and Corporate Shepherds presents the man of the hour. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome, my dear friends and very distinguished listeners. It's Navigate with I.D. Such an honor and a privilege to be with you today. As always, I'm grateful to God for the gift of life. Also grateful to God for your life too. Friends, what a time, what a season. We are basking under the euphoria of good tension, good in the sense that people are still walking around looking for how best they can get a pile of notes just to make a medium of exchange for their products or goods and services. On the other hand, the fuel queues are looking like they are baiting, but still there. But more importantly, you look around you and there's some seeming quiet and you're wondering what exactly is going on. So many people are taking on introspective views about what life will present to them. Friends, I have to tell you the truth that you need to go a bit more than you're going just to raise yourself above every other place that you find that has not put you into the space of personal self-esteem. We've been looking at the subject of centralization and decentralization. And as we came through that whole phase and concept of centralized and decentralized authority, we came to the critical space where the who, being a great factor in all ramifications, was the critical point in which we had to birth the last time that we met. Now, when we met, we talked about the who, and I did say that this particular episode that we will have and the episodes following will center around the power of self-leadership. And that, I said, you can put in brackets personal excellence. This was informed by my sharing with you that there are three eyes that make all of that come together. The first eye being intention, the second eye being influence, and the third eye being impact. And I did say that the intention is dimensionalized into self-awareness, self-confidence, and self-efficacy. We went on to look at this in a space that allowed us to say to ourselves that when a man has intentionality or woman has intentionality and you've gone through the spectrum of the self-awareness, self-confidence, self-efficacy, you exude a whole gamut of influence around you, within you, and for you that the next natural thing will be for you to drive impact. And that impact will come because you will be walking away from what people might be saying about you, the things you would have said behind you, and all the labels they might have called you or painted or tinted you with. You must be a woman or man of impact. Impact being a byproduct of clear intentions exacerbated by influence and delivery of impact is as conditioned as you can imagine. Going through that process, I did say, friends, that when I look back at the gracious years that God has granted me in the course of my corporate career, in that corporate career, God gave me grace to be able to work with very seasoned and great organizations. I met fantastic people, had the privilege of having great bosses, who helped me walk through the precipice of diligence, success followed, and of course, it had to do with a tinge of hard work. But then, the more I look at the journey, the certain things that came to me, and one of such is the ability to be able to look down your track and say to yourself, what exactly do you want to be remembered for? What do I want to be remembered for? This is a critical question. Is a point of inflection where you look inwards and say to yourself, do I, can I truly express what I want to be remembered for? 
If you do that, it then helps you begin to look through the entire gamut of who you are, what you represent, and where you're going. That exactly underpins the power of self-leadership. The personal power is what is required in today's reckoning. But then, when you sit within the ambit of asking, what do you want to be remembered for? Or answering that question in sincerity with the most function, functionality of truth and authenticity, you'll understand that you have to be someone who has a legacy mindset. So the question I'll ask you again, is building a legacy important to you? If the answer is yes, then you have an opportunity to stay within the concourse of getting to a point where at every stage in your life, folks will remember you for something. In the last episode, I did ask a question. I said, what is your reason for getting up in the morning? Not everybody gets up in the morning and looks cheerful. Not everybody understands that the opportunity you have, the grace you've been given by God, and the ability to be able to shine through day by day is not something you take for granted, but it's meant to equip and also make some other people see that truly you are a blessing. But many of us think otherwise. But here it is, friends. It comes to that central point where you need to ask yourself some very tough questions. And so when we get to that juncture where we're talking about the power of self-leadership, I'd like you to follow me as we go through this whole exercise, which I had started in the previous episode, and I call it the leadership wheel. And this is called from a book I read a couple of years back. And within this spectrum, there lies a wheel. And in the wheel, the very core, what you call the hub, is the word leadership. And all around it are what I'll call pillars or semi-reflectors. Those reflectors will come in varied colors, and there are seven of them. But these seven reflectors or pillars are what actually propel every individual to walk through the spectrum and getting something decent at the end of the day. So if we're talking about the power of self-leadership, it's important that you and I understand that it starts from your life to your role, to your actions, your knowledge, your team, your decisions, and finally, your words. The first point of reflection is your life. Everybody always sits in and wants something out of their lives. And in that whole guise, they're looking for something that will make their lives balanced and happy. Obviously, it means a lot. Obviously, it requires a lot from you. So what does it mean to have a balanced and happy life? You are the one that can determine most of this because you know what you desire and you know what you want to express by the token of the work that you're doing. So we talked about your life extensively in the last program. And so I want to shift gears to your role. Now, what is your role in this whole leadership wheel? Your role is to lead and to facilitate. So you may wonder, do you think I have what it takes to lead? Yes, you do. Or you may wonder, do you think I have what it takes to facilitate? Yes, you do. Every single person has something that he or she may not have seen, may not understand. But I'll tell you, if you take a cursory look at yourself and your life, whilst you're going on this trajectory called the journey, called life, you'll find yourself in a space where you're doing different things, different times, and the call to lead will always come through. And so how do you lead if you don't know who you are? Go back to the first point I talked about, intentionality. 
very many people tend to fail themselves because they lack the power of understanding who they are. Being self-aware is a big ticket item because therein you're able to erupt in a way and manner that allows you express yourself in one way or many ways or more ways than one. And so that in itself begins to give you some measure of confidence. I've seen where a lot of people sometimes who have never met me before, who have not, within close range, had any conversations with me, but just sit from a distance and say, that person must be very arrogant, that person must be proud, that person must be this, that person must be that. For no reason. They're just, you know, deciding to call you names, label you for whatever it is. And when they come very close or come closer than normal, that is the way from the distance where they begin to see you in a different light, facilitating conversations, letting things happen, understanding why people tend to come around you and why you are leading. They then turn around and say, oh my, I never knew that this was the type of person you were. That in itself tells you about the third reflector, which is about your actions. So for you to get people to embrace your role in their lives, your actions need to be very consistent and effective. Very many people miss it because they start from a space where they are all about themselves because you want to be, it's about your life. You want to be balanced and happy. So every other person and any other person does not exist. That in itself lays credence to where you don't see your role in the lives of people. Your actions are premeditated. They are full of selfish, self-centered dimensions. And so people begin to see you as being incongruent. Your leadership will real is having a challenge. Have you ever seen a tire of a bicycle that is bent? Imagine how that will look. That is exactly how many of us who do not do the right things at the right time are causing our leadership will to look bent because your actions need to be consistent and effective. Let me tell you something that I found out. If you have primary school or secondary school mates, those of your friends that you went to college together in secondary school, I promise you that if you meet a large chunk of them, 60 to 70 percent will still behave the way they behaved when they were young boys or young girls. Very few, maybe 30 to 40 percent, would probably would have morphed into something new, but the large majority will still be on it. Why? Because it is who they are. The actions will not differ. That's why someone will say to you, you never change. You have not changed. You're still the same person. It's positive, friends, because it means you're consistent. It's not only positive, it also says that you're effective. So if someone after 10, 15, 20 years can still remember the days, your university days, your college days, your high school days, and says to you, you are still the same person. I mean, albeit saying to you that you have not changed in terms of behaviors and mannerisms, it tells you something that you're consistent. So from your life to your role, your actions will actually allow your role come through into the lives of people. And then all of this is predicated on one thing, your knowledge. So if you play this back in the form of a wheel, you'll see that your knowledge is what drives your actions. Your actions will give you a definite space in people's lives, and that becomes your role, and then you begin to act out your life. But when you get to the point of your knowledge, we are talking about the power of self-leadership. Your knowledge must be green and growing. Many people don't want to have or acquire knowledge. And it's sad. Many don't. The only way we think we acquire knowledge is by taking on some courses, going to school. But knowledge is far better and far more embracing 
when you go through a certain process that allows you to touch different parts of life and be in tune with different parts of life, you can go to the university. They're not going to teach you how to cook a goosey. You can go to the business school. They're not going to teach you how to take a bath. So how did you acquire the knowledge of how you must sanitize your environment? It's not what they teach in business school. It's part of the process of growing up. And so your parents, your guardians at one point in time in the spectrum of your growth would have put certain words and started saying certain things to you or taught you certain things about how you need to be clean, how you need to clean your room, how you need to lay your bed. Nobody will teach you that in business school. At some point in time in life, you will acquire knowledge by way of culinary skills, how to cook. You will, at some point, acquire knowledge on how to drive. Those things are not taught in school, but you will be taught in the requisite space, maybe in a driving school, on how to drive. Friends, let me tell you today, your leadership will cannot run effectively if you lack knowledge. If you lack knowledge, you will not have a perspective and you will not be a man or woman of conviction. You will just be with every flotsam and every jetsam and someday you will continually be utilized and used by people. They will make you a pawn and people will use you every time, anytime. So your knowledge being green and growing means that you must be productive. You must look for ventures that would allow you seek into a space where you are able to express what you know. It can be by reading. It can be by observation. It can be by intuition. Now there, you know, you get into the spirit, uh, spiritual realm. There's the physical realm. There's the intellectual realm. And there's the realm where you sit within an observatory. All of those will feed into the five senses and even beyond. And so knowledge can also be acquired by impartation. The kind of friends you work with, if they are not bringing in positive values into your life, then definitely expect that they will be negative because the negative ones are going to take you to acquire knowledge in a space where the knowledge there may actually put you in trouble down the road. Can't you see how sometimes people are innocently, by reason of association, pulled into some crime? They don't know the kind of guy that they've met in the bar or wherever, and they say, hey, this guy is my guy, is my pal. Maybe he's bought you some few drinks. You've joined a club of guys who are just having a nice time, and they say they're going to the next club. And then you should hop in and drive with them. Without even understanding who they are, you get into the car, before that other space your guys are going to have a good time materializes, maybe there's a checkpoint. And alas, the policemen decide that they want to take some kind of spot check and then they find what shouldn't be found. Whatever it is, do you think you'll ever be absolved of it? No. It's because you did not utilize a part of the knowledge that tells you straight on because of the conscience that is inside you. There would have been signals, but you ignore them. Sometimes the heart begins to palpitate. You will find your heartbeats going a lot faster. Then you know something is wrong. Some of us sense it as fear. Some will look at it and say, what's wrong with me? I'm not okay. It means just the environment around you is telling you, guy, Danger. Danger is locking. That's knowledge. It must be green and growing. If it is not growing, then your leadership will, will be bent because knowledge drives so many things. So we've looked at four elements on this wheel, your life, your role, your actions, your knowledge. The fifth one is your team. There is no man that can form being an island. You need a team. You need a squad. You need a group of people to support you in every way. 
at different times and different facets of your life. Your team needs to be aligned and committed. So the team is key. What does it take to have a team? It takes a process. Very many times when we come into a new organization, maybe you have a job, you've just joined a new department, or you're just fresh out of school and it's a new job, you are considered a newbie. You don't even know who to go with. Or you've gone into a university or higher institution and your parents just drop you at the gate or you find your way in there. How do you pick your team? How do you know who should be your friend or who should be your foe? That's where you begin to see how knowledge, actions will determine how your role will come through, whether to lead or to facilitate. The output of having a good team leader is alignment and commitment. If you ever want to test the rubber, the same way your knowledge needs to be green and growing, if you want to know if you are with the right team, check for alignment, check for commitment. Let me give you a, a simple trick and something I've done over and over. How do I test if I have the right people around me? Very many times in the course of my career, I found myself, you know, being, in most cases, nine out of ten times, I've always been the youngest within, you know, the senior team. That's the way it's been. I started quite early. I've said it many times. I started quite early. I had a good head start. So it was normal for me to get into a team, a leadership team, and most likely I'll be the youngest in that team. It happened Coca-Cola, happened at Cadbury, you know, happened at uh, L'Oreal, happened in Samsung. That's what it's been for me in most, in most cases. And so sometimes it can be uh, a bit challenging. Why? Because most of the guys around the table are older than you are. So how do you know who to align with and who not to align with? Yes, what I typically have done, the, the times that I get into those very core roles. So maybe you're getting into the board or you're getting into the executive team. How do you know who your allies are? This is how I test the boat. I'm giving you free, a free tip, something you put in, like, you know, my guys will say in this part of the world, put in your left hand so you don't use it to swallow Okeleafa. When I get into such settings and I've identified certain people, what do I do? I take one person at a time and I will tell you one thing, one thing. When I tell you that one thing, I promise you that one thing will be for you and you alone. And I'll wait. The day I get to hear that thing repeated amongst that team, then I know you are not someone to be trusted. It means that you and I, that you can't be committed to the cause because I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to tell you this is between you and I. I don't use those words because the minute you say between you and I, you are giving the person the license to go to town and spread the news. So rather, what I try to do is to see who is committed and loyal to the cause of what you want to do. You must test all spirits. That's the bottom line. You cannot afford to have a team without testing the team. They must go through some form of, whether integrity test, whether intellectual test, whether emotional test, you must. If you want to check for alignment and commitment, you must put together some form of test that gives you that sense. Remember, we're talking about the power of self-leadership. If your team is not with you, you're your own. Now, the sixth part to this is about your decisions. Without decisions, then you are decapitulated. If you don't make decisions, it means somebody is tugging you somewhere. 
if you are devoid of decisions, it means that you are being remotely controlled. But the truth is, everybody has to make a decision one time or the other. The power of self-leadership requires that in making your decisions, they must be fact-based and inclusive. So if you have to make decisions, especially when you are sitting as a leader, your team quite aligned and committed, your knowledge is green and growing, your actions are consistent and effective, then your role is just to lead and to facilitate. It's at that stage you find that you've gotten into a space where the last reflector will come in, and that has to do with your words. The words that will use to drive the other parts of your life must be thoughtful and empowering because you create your world based on your words. That's exactly where you sit. So when you look at this leadership wheel, the wheel requires you to be sitting in a space where your words, just being thoughtful and empowering, will now link up to give you a great life that will make you balanced and happy. Friends, we'll be right back. We need to pay some bills. When we come on the second half, I'll get you into this space where I call the virtual cycle of fulfillment. Don't go away, friends. We'll be right back. This is Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome, my dear friends, and it's so great to have you. It's uh, Navigate with ID, and just in case you're just joining us, we're looking at the power of self-leadership, and in some little brackets, you can call that the power of excellence or the power of personal excellence. And we started this journey looking at the three I's, intention, influence, and impact. And I did say that as you go through this wheel called the leadership wheel, there are certain things that you need to look at. You need to look at your life, your role, your actions, your knowledge, your team, your decisions, and your words. Everybody needs a balanced and happy life. But to make that happen, you need to lead and facilitate the process, and that becomes your role. Now, in the course of taking on this role, your actions must be consistent and effective. And how do you keep it running? It's via knowledge. Your knowledge must be green and growing. You'll have a team that is aligned and committed. You'd also make decisions that are fact-based and inclusive. And finally, you must always ensure that your words are thoughtful and very empowering. The empowering nature of your words will determine what you'll have to do, especially when you're sitting at a space where you know what you want to be remembered for. Remember the question, what would you like to be remembered for? Or what do you want to be remembered for? We talked about having a legacy legacy mindset and having to keep a legacy-driven life. So let's look at this virtual cycle of fulfillment. There are four different cyclic ways that this happens. It kicks off with that self-awareness. And I'm talking about looking at life as a journey. When self-awareness kicks in, you need to own your purpose. When you own your purpose, you sit in a space where you will align your daily work with your purpose. Now, not everybody has a sense of purpose or do, in all honesty, know what their purpose in life is. So you're still trying to discover. That sense of discovering itself can actually put you in a state in a flux, but not everybody will sit in that state forever. Some days, some hours, some minutes, some seconds, something will snap and you will organize and get your thoughts in a direction based on your awareness of your life and the purpose to which it's there. When that happens, you move from stage one to stage two. You begin to focus on relationships. 
Because you understand that for you to make this happen, you need to have relationships that are positive. You need to have relationships that will impact and help you enhance the growth. And at this point in time, your system requires a momentous trigger. The trigger can come from your brain. The trigger can come from your environment. But the trigger comes from your brain. Then you need a level of dopamine, which is what or oxytocin. All of this are hormones that will bring out the very best from you and in you based on the quality of relationships you're keeping. So you see that the virtual cycle of fulfillment is not tied to money. People today are jumping up. In a few days, we'll go back to the elections. Some have sold their birthright on, from a, with a pot of porridge. The porridge that you will take now and the man or woman, the nice old man is coming to clear the debris in a month or two or a year or two. Sokeways are going to be cleaned. And trust me, you cannot mortgage your conscience simply because you have been given something, a pot of porridge. So the trigger in your brain will not allow you to sit in a space where you feel fulfilled because you have been bought. Now, if you walk through that pathway with a sense of focus, a sense of understanding, a sense of impact coming out of your influence factor, then naturally you get into a space where you begin to feel that you are fulfilled. When that fulfillment comes, it creates a motivation that leans into your life's purpose. Now, I'm, I'm sounding very philosophical, but I want to break it down for you, friends. Money cannot buy you happiness. Don't let anybody deceive you. Some people tell you because they have money, they are happy. You have not gotten the right money. Most that carry this money, that have it, they lose sleep. Some don't even feel secure, even with the best of security that they have. They are afraid. You imagine if a bat or a rat or a cockroach gets into that kind of setting. You will see this almighty man or woman that is so rich running around the room simply because of that small thing. Because you believe somebody is chasing him or her. Why? Because their security is in that money. That's why money cannot drive fulfillment. What drives fulfillment is a sense of purpose. It's owning your purpose. It's focusing on the right relationships, having an impact, growing, ensuring that all the relevant hormones are running cyclically. You are in good health. There's wellness. Before you can say Jack Robinson, fulfillment becomes a natural pipe through which your life begins to roll. Who else is in this boat? Who else thinks about it? Who else looks about life? Today, there's a challenge in our economy. There's a challenge because many people do not understand the relationship with entrepreneurship and societal impact. And so social value is lost on a lot of people. Many people just want to be into something that generates cash for them. They're looking for something that will make them drive the best cars. They want to look the part. Small businesses are in their own cocoon, but there's something missing. Do you know that living an ethically-minded life can drive you into fulfillment? Even if you have a business, without ethics, your business will not have sustainability. The power of self-leadership starts from ethical leadership. And so, it is important that you unlock social value because it's a process. That process involves a co-creation between society, stakeholders, and leadership. You as an entrepreneur, you as a worker, can create social value by considering all of the factors around you, whether economic, environmental, social, all because you need to increase well-being. 
when you increase the well-being of some other person, of the society, of the environment, you'll be shocked. You will get so much fulfillment. What do you want to be remembered for? Is it the Lexus 460 that you bought? That's a very, very bad example because it's a tool. Anybody can buy a Lexus 460. But the, imagine in a certain domain or community that you would have impacted some young kids who never had the chance would be in school or you got into an orphanage and decided to take these little kids, numbering 10, 15, to sponsor them all the way through to university, you don't even know what would happen. Those 10 or 15 kids come back in 10, 20 years' time, they will be lords. That is societal impact. That will give you fulfillment because they will look for you. Even if all of them run away, one will come back. That one that will come back will come back with so much that you will see the essence of social value. Friends, we have gone on a trajectory that is wrong for too long, believing that socioeconomic value will come when we are materialistic. No, it comes when we are transformational. If you want to be an entrepreneur, you must be a good entrepreneur that is transformational. It means creating social value. That's what will give you fulfillment, not the number of cars that you're driving. But all of this will not happen if you don't come in with the right mindset. Today, everybody seems to be looking at one window, one door, because it's all about survival. What is survival? What is surviving? What does it mean? It's just continuing to live or exist. I don't want to be in that survival mode. No. Today, Nigerians can be found to be resilient. Why? Because our ability to cope with uncertainty and bounce back. Just look at yesterday. What am I saying? Today, I found myself in Victoria Island and just coming on Amadubele Way. I went into Stan Chats and I went all the way to the, uh, to the priority floor thinking, okay, when we get there, at least you should be able to get something to walk home with, cash. I got there, the lady at the priority banking floor said to me, sir, there's no money. A lot of people were here in the morning. And this was about 12 noon, thereabouts or one today. And then she said, there's no cash. Then I just sat back there and I said, I said, what's going on in this country? This country, who could ever believe that one day Nigerians would not be begging for 10,000 naira. My wife and her friend went over to her bank and after two hours, they could only get 10,000 naira. And you're asking yourself, this is 10,000 on a good day that you will give to someone that is going somewhere to say, hey, take this, you guys go share, take this for your transport. Now you are having to hold your entire being based on that, just that cash, in order to be able to facilitate exchange. That's a shame. That's not fulfillment. That's not social value. Whoever is sitting, wherever they are sitting, they must be ashamed of themselves. That is not the power of leadership. Neither is it the power of self-leadership. It's wickedness. And when wicked people rule, what you find is that the people will groan. So whether they are in the CBN, whether they are in the banks, whether they are wherever, as long as the chain is bringing untold hardship to people, you are not generating social value. That is a wicked value. And so, everybody just runs to live or to exist. Nigeria is a surviving nation because we don't have leaders. If you have leaders, You'll be moving to a stage where somebody will wake up and say, people are suffering. But you know what, friends? I want to elevate you from that survival mode to a mode that will be a lot better. And it's all about your mental strength that will give you the mental sagacity to go beyond all of this charade that you're finding in our environment. And it's called the thriving mode. Thriving. Or cause 
when we use uncertainty to innovate and transform. Anytime you set your feet into a place and everything about it is so negative, pick in your thriving mode, get into something, innovate, just look around you and do something that will transform. So more than bouncing back, you are able to bounce forward and break through to something new. When anybody tells you, how are you doing? Don't ever say I'm surviving. Because you're just living. You're just existing. That's not good. You need to thrive. Because they are trying to do everything to frustrate you. Because your bosses are trying to pull you down. Because the company you work for refused to pay you overtime, yet they are using you more than time. You cannot afford to get yourself into the survival mode. Last week, I went for my annual medical checkup with my wife. And guess what? By the time we got in there, and we know a couple of hours where they are going to take all the samples and X, Y, Z, I just sat there and I said to myself, how many people are truly just even going in to check themselves? Health and wellness. Please, I want to beg you by the message of God. Whatever it is, go take some comprehensive checkup. If you can't afford a comprehensive one, do something that at least you check your vitals because you cannot thrive if you are not healthy. You can't. With the situation that is bugging us in this country, everybody says, oh, we are resilient people. No, there are many people that are in depression. There are many that are going down. They don't realize it. They are losing their sense of leadership. They are losing the personal power. They are losing their ability to excel because, you know, every day they are forced to get into this surviving mode. And come Saturday, you will have all characters lining up. You know, it's surprising how you see things happen. I'm particularly smiling the same governor they were begging to come for uh, to come for a debate can go shake hands, can walk around and begin to have everybody do everything so that he can be seen as a good boy. That's not bouncing back. That's not thriving. I just want to qualify Surge and call it what it is. Someone is just messing around with your heads. And that's what it is. Today, I want you to see me in this mode. Tomorrow, I'm in that mode. Overall, I'm a good, nice person. But you know what? What I did in the past and what I did not even do, I did that simply because I needed to obey or to be seen. Remember I said it's good to be aligned and committed because you need to be seen as committed to a cause because you are part of a team. But this is me. I am this person. Have me. Let me come into your world. Friends, the power of self-leadership requires that you and I do separate things at different times. You and I must do different things. You and I must stand within the space of situational leadership with a sense of purpose. So each time you ask yourself, what exactly should I bring to the table? There are three major characteristics that will help you. The power of self-leadership can easily exude you if you lack judgment. Judgment, judgment, judgment. What is judgment? It has four different pathways. Number one is analytical rigor. You must be able to analyze issues and things. When you have analytical rigor, you are able to spot issues. So when you analyze these things, you can be dispassionate about it. There is nobody that can get me into all of this ethnic profiling and all manner of stuff. After all, before I even started, before they got to this place, my own tribe has forever been profiled. Nollywood has profiled us. You have profiled us. So anybody from my neck of the woods, you will see us as servants. And even when we speak in your movies, you want us to be get men, cooks, so it is normal. 
So it's only those newbies now that are feeling upset that they are being profiled. We have been profiled from time. That doesn't bother me. When somebody looks at me and the things that because of what he thinks and where he sees me come from, he's making a mistake because I have analytical rigor. I can spot issues. When you spot issues, you're able to frame them. You're not framing them within any profiling or lens. You are framing them because you've gone through a process. It is a process that delivers balanced decision-making. That is when judgment comes to play. What is good judgment? What is balanced judgment? It's between the head and the heart. And so everybody, every point in time, if you're listening to me, the power of self-leadership requires you to have balanced judgment. Don't let anybody mess with your head. Don't let anybody mess with your mind. And if you're foolish enough to allow someone have that access and they can give you a pot of porridge and to swing you, whether you are at a port, you are a gatekeeper, and the authorities have said to you, nobody goes through this gate except they have one, two, three, four items. And a certain man comes to you with one item and says, please, knock me off. I don't have a qualifier to go through the four, but take this one item and let me go through. And you foolishly allow that happen. It means that you lack a sense of judgment and you will never rise to a place where your head and your heart will be in balance. There will be an imbalance always. Either you'll be thinking with the heart or you're thinking with only the head. When this happens, then people will now begin to look at you as a man that lacks solid judgment. And so, when you do not have what it takes to make balanced decisions and your sense of judgment is faulty, you've already put yourself on a certain pedestal. You can't go beyond that. And so, when it comes to leadership, Starting from your home, you'll be faulty. Starting from your business, you'll be faulty. Starting from your community, you'll be faulty. And at that pedestal, the only thing left for you is depression. Because people will not come to you. You see how a lot of people go through this process and they don't realize that it's mostly a for offer. So when you move from judgment, what is the other characteristic that you require as a to drive self-leadership? Drive. Drive. What is drive? What are the components of drive? Personal initiative. Self-assurance. You need to act and have impact. Remember, I started this series by telling you about the three eyes. It's important that you must be a man or woman with an intention. That intention will drive an influence. The influence will have an impact. How do you bring this together? It will only come if you are self-aware if you have self-confidence, and if you have self-efficacy. If you don't have self-efficacy, all of that bundle will go through the wind because you'll be bought with one pot of porridge. A pot of porridge will make you lose your sense of drive. A pot of porridge can make you go the other way, look the other way, and act the other way. A pot of porridge allows a corrupt tendency. And when your mind is corrupted, Everything around you will be corrupted. And so, what will be the ultimate consequence? A lack of performance. But if your sense of drive is very clear, is very personalized, and initiatives will continually get you on track, you can see the forest, you can see the trees, then you'll be result-oriented. When you are a result-oriented man or woman, trust me, you will be a Formula One in action any day, high performance, high performance. So when people see you, they'll call you a hypo, a high performance man, high performing woman, high performing boy, high performing girl. The third part of it is something that I've said before. The third characteristic that will come there is influence. Again, I'm going back to the three eyes, intention, influence, and impact. One major characteristic called influence comes through that spectrum 
but it delivers on something called getting things done. The power of self-leadership will propel you to be a man that can be trusted, that will get things done. Great interpersonal skills. Do you wonder why we have problems with our country? The major reason is that most of the people in the helm of affairs lack self-leadership. They lack dignity, they lack the ability to get things done, and they do not have the requisite skills. The biggest skill that you and I require is the skill of respect. When people lose respect for human beings, there is nothing they are again other than dust. How can a man sit back and watch people suffer? It means you don't respect humanity. I don't care whatever office you occupy, but the day you stop respecting people, that day you are as good as sitting with any of the animals that God had created and put in the forest. Because human life, human beings don't mean anything to you. That person will never have self-leadership. That's a never Nebuchadnezzar that will be given the heart of an animal in the appointed time because the heart of a beast can never blend with the heart of a man. It's either you must pick one over the other. Friends, if you believe that you want to be on that trajectory of being a great leader, of being able to run and be the who, be a person of influence, be a person with intention, and most importantly, be someone that everybody will look at and say, that man carries all it takes, and that's my own excellency. Anything short of that, I'm sorry, you've not caught it. Well, friends, we'll be back on Thursday by God's grace, where we'll look at this beautiful series and see how best God will want us to behave. Thank you, and God bless you. And that was Navigate with ID. Brought to you by Corporate Shepherds.